Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. Yo, yo, what is going on, everybody? Pete4C, the podcast. Welcome back. Welcome in. Welcome to May 2020, where we're still not uh, seeing each other, and we're staying at our houses on lockdown. You know, I, I have my good days and bad days. I'm sure you guys do, too. Ultimately, I had a thought the other night in how, you know, I, I was just growing tired of this. I really was, and I was pretty much about ready just to call it quits, and go about my life as normal. But then I thought, you know, that's so irresponsible. You know, there's so many people that are more susceptible than me that I'd be putting at risk. And we just, we got to remember, this is really serious. This is no joke. Stay at home, stay safe. Uh, Try to do your part. And that's what we'll try and get through here over these next few months. But we're still going to forge ahead in regards to the sports news. We got a lot to talk about. We got NFL Saturdays potentially. That definitely gets me hype. We also got college football to talk about in regards to that. But in addition, the Missouri Tigers, they are going to play KU down the road. And they got a pretty big hole to dig out of in the SEC if they want to compete at a high level. I'm going to talk about that in regards to Eli Drinkwitz and what he needs to be worried about if he wants to build a program that's respectable at the University of Missouri. In addition, I think the Kansas City Chiefs, they are pulling away in the AFC West. I'm going to tell you why. We'll talk about Michael Jordan in The Last Dance and how I think it's really fitting to what's going on during this pandemic and how it relates to all of us. Additionally, Peyton Manning, potentially an NFL owner, I think he'd be outstanding. I think it could be better than his first act as an NFL player. We'll dive into that. Additionally, Andy Dalton, he's now a Dallas Cowboy. Is he a threat to Dak Prescott? We'll talk about that right now. It's episode 43 of the podcast. I think under normal circumstances, which we are anything but that at this point, right? We are in anything but a normal world. But when Andy Dalton is our leadoff to the show, and if he's the leadoff to the rest of the nationwide media, we definitely know we're in some odd times, to say the least. Andy Dalton signs with the Dallas Cowboys, one-year deal, $3 million. Escalates to $7 million with some incentives. He's going to be the backup to quarterback Dak Prescott. Andy Dalton has always been one of those interesting cases to me. I think that he is maybe 
the most accurately valued player at the position of QB when it comes to just media, fans, the team. Everyone is in a renowned agreement. Andy Dalton is someone that you can win a lot of games with, and maybe you can win some playoff games. He's gone to four of them. He's lost them all. But he isn't someone that's going to take over the game. He definitely needs the team around him. Probably the only time there's been discord is when he got that contract extension. At the time, it was one of the richest ever. But as we all know, with the cap rising, it's turned out to be a contract where it's middle of the pack, exactly where Andy Dalton is. Now, he's had some good seasons. And in regards to the Cowboys, they got the 12th highest graded passer per pro football focus. A lot of people, I'm sure, delve into the stats there. 12th highest graded passer in the 2018 season. This past year, Bengals were miserable. He didn't grade out as well. But Andy Dalton, as everyone can agree, he's a solid quarterback option. Now, is he going to beat out Dak Prescott for... The starting job? I don't think so. I, I really don't. I don't even think that's much of a question. But what it does threaten for Dak Prescott is his extension. Dak is holding out for every last dime. I mean, his negotiators, his agents, they better be careful. They better be careful because this is a threat that Jerry Jones just signed in the event that they're trying to squeeze every dime out of him. Jerry Jones signing Dalton is saying, look, if you don't play ball with us as far as understanding what the Cowboys bring to Dak Prescott, if you try to play hardball and just negotiate the richest contract ever, I'll play with Dalton. I'll play with Dalton maybe not this year, but we'll let you hit free agency next year. We won't tag you next year. Potentially, maybe they'll rescind the tag this year and roll with Dalton because what we're providing you, being the face of America's team, and being able to quarterback that team and have this roster around you, you you better, you know, you better play ball with us. We're not necessarily just handing out the four-year deal, 100% guaranteed that you're looking for, Dak. And if that's the case, if you continue to do this, we got an insurance policy. We think you're the better player. We think you have the higher ceiling. Your physical talent is there. Dalton's now nine years into the league. We kind of know what he is. But as far as the drop-off, we don't think it's that big. And we think we can potentially win with him in your absence. So this absolutely is a threat to Dak. Not necessarily to playing the game, but money? Yeah, he better be careful. He better be real careful. I think Dak Prescott's an excellent QB. Again, after his 2016 season, I, you know, I was mesmerized by the accuracy, the intangibles, the ability to lead, the ability to play well in the fourth quarter. I think he's the total package makeup. Uh, physical gifts. You know, I'm not saying he's an elite quarterback, but he's exactly the type of player you want to, you know, build your roster around. And that's what they're doing. That's what you're doing. He had the best season of his career last year. He helped the best team in total offense over uh, 400 yards a game for the Cowboys last season. He was an engineer in that situation, but he's got to understand the game as far as negotiating right now. Now, you can make the argument if you're on Dax camp that, hey, he's played under value for four years now as a fourth-round pick. He's outplayed his contract instrumentally, which he has, so now it's time to pay up on the other end. So that's kind of their position, but ultimately, that ain't how it works. I mean, welcome to America. You don't make up money on your second go-around for past 
you know, accomplishments. That's not how it works. Wish it was. Perfect world. That's how it would go down. But there's officially a problem uh, on the roster for Dak Prescott and negotiating that new contract. Do I think ultimately the Jones, Prescott's camp get it done? I do. But there is now an insurance policy. The Cowboys signed it over the weekend. His name is Andy Dalton. I do ultimately think that the NFL is a copycat league like the old adage, excuse me, has been thrown around plenty of times that you try to replicate other success or the quote-unquote blueprint to try and win football games. But over the draft weekend after now that the dust has settled, it's been about 10 days since then, I look at the AFC West and the Kansas City Chiefs have widened the gap. I don't think the Chargers... I don't think the Broncos, I don't think the Raiders are any way closer to challenging them for the division title. Now, they improve their teams, but Brett Veach and Andy Reid, I'm not going to say that they're lapping the division, but they're clearly understanding where they have a stranglehold on the division with their quarterback play and with their offense. You now have the Raiders and the Broncos trying to challenge their style of play by loading up on wide receivers and pass catchers and thinking that they can keep pace on the scoreboard with Kansas City. And that is unreal. I I can't believe they think that's even an option to score as many points as Kansas City. When you have Tyreek Hill, you have Sammy Watkins, you have Travis Kelsey. Tyreek and Kelsey alone are some of the most uniquely qualified talents at their respective position. And you're trying to hunt for those types of players, so you can match it. That seems like a recipe for disaster if you're the Raiders, if you're the Broncos. Patrick Mahomes is the one delivering the ball to those guys. That's the other factor in this. A generational talent at quarterback, and your quarterbacks are Derek Carr, who is maybe the most athletic player outside of Marcus Mariota, who's also on the Raiders roster, who doesn't use his athleticism. Derek Carr has a cannon and doesn't use it. And you just got these vertical threats in Henry Ruggs. You drafted it uh, last year with Williams, and, or excuse me, you added in free agency with Williams, and you continue to have him be checked down Charlie, checked down Carr, John Gruden. So that doesn't make sense to me. Secondly, you have Drew Locke, who I've likened to Jay Cutler, a 500 quarterback. Vertically, yeah, he can stretch the field, but you have Albert O, a fifth-year senior who's still raw and plays like a freshman in college who's 18. Additionally, Jerry Judy, I like that pick. I like Corton Sutland. But remember the offensive line, Denver. You have Garrett Bowles, who led the league in penalties at the offensive line position. He's still your left tackle. You didn't address the position in the draft. I think they've gotten better, both teams. They are nowhere close to challenging Andy Reid and the Chiefs. I think they should sleep very comfortably. The other team in here, I talked about it later, or earlier, I should say, the Chargers... You have the wrong staff, I think, to be developing a quarterback in Justin Herbert. Once again, this is a staff that I really liked. I've praised this staff, but they don't have Phillip Rivers anymore. Do you really think Justin Herbert is going to help win football games and keep pace on the scoreboard with the Chiefs? I absolutely do not. My my main takeaway from the draft in the AFC West, Brett Veach, Andy Reid. Yeah, they took the running back in the first round. Some will question that pick. I'm telling you, this next year in 2020, I I don't know. If we play a full game schedule or a full season schedule, I don't see how the Chiefs don't win 12 games. I I really don't. It's a situation where 
mean, you got quarterbacks named Locke, Herbert, and Carr in your division. Patrick Mahomes, he's got to look around and just say, if I just stay upright, just make it to January. I'm good. I'm good. The team's good. Chris Jones, if we got him tagged, let's make sure he stays healthy until January. Motivated player before free agency. We're good on both sides of the ball. Still got that special teams coach, Dave Tube, Tobe. He hasn't left for a head coaching gig. Special teams is still going to be baller. Kansas City, great spot. Could potentially repeat. So like many of you, I've been watching The Last Dance about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And one thing I, I'm quickly realizing, uh, it, you know, they've kind of marketed this documentary as the 1998 Chicago Bulls. It's clearly about everything. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's about the Bulls before the 90s. It's about the Bulls in the early 90s with those three championships. And it's about the two championships before the 1998. And prior to yesterday evening when we got episodes uh, four and five, uh, or excuse me, five and six, is I was kind of underwhelmed by what they promised with the behind-the-scenes footage from 1998. I said, you know, where where is all this? You promised this, and episodes one through four have kind of gotten just a little. I want more. What's Jordan saying? What's Pippen saying? What's Phil saying? Come on. This is the good stuff. This is what's been in the vault for all those years. Show me. Well, they delivered yesterday. And I, I definitely think the documentary is off to a really good start. And my main takeaway is this. This documentary is really, really complimenting the times we're in right now. We're in quarantine where everything's simple. We're not on social media as much because not that many things are going on. There's not that much to look at. We don't have to post as much because we're not doing things. We're at home, we're learning new activities, people are playing puzzles, maybe you're knitting, maybe you're reading books, of course we're watching television still, but ultimately there's this mindlessness, this idea that we don't really have to think because we already know what we're going to do, and a lot of it's nothing, or it's just simplistic things around the house, or necessities, essentials, to and from the store, and then we come back. We don't have to think too much. And that's what I see with Michael Jordan. He was a superstar who he didn't have to deal with social media. And he was also a guy who clearly didn't want to deal with much going on outside the basketball court. He is showing us how he really wanted to be just a basketball player. But there are other moments where there's much more expected of him. They talked about the North Carolina governor who was running for president and Jordan threw in the quote about Republicans buy shoes as well. And he basically said, you know, that's not of interest to me. And people, you know, were kind of disappointed in him for that. But ultimately, that's how he ran himself in the NBA. I'm just a ball player. I show up at the gym for my teammates, for myself, and then I go home. And sure, I'll sign some autographs. I'll meet with these kids before practice, before the game. And I'll do my best. I'll put on a smile and I'll be genuine. But ultimately, it's not something that I'm seeking out. You know, a lot of players nowadays, they are the social activists. They are trying to be a role model. They are trying to be changed. And ultimately, they are kind of just trying to take over the league. That's always been my gripe with LeBron is that he kind of thinks he's above the owners, which, I mean, is he? Yeah, he's the most important player in the league. But players play, coaches coach, and owners own the team. That's the way it works. And Jordan, ultimately, I think he respected, even if he didn't always respect the individuals, he respected the positions 
in which they were held. And I think it's just, you know, this idea that we're looking at a player during these times really is equal to how we're living right now. It's very simplistic. It's very mindless. And I think it's fitting. It's fitting that we're hearing about Michael Jordan talk merely about basketball. You know, I, I get dogged out with just the idea that anytime I have to listen to something that Michael Jordan says because someone asks him about it, it's always about LeBron. And right now, it's just great to hear Michael Jordan talk about his career instead of having to listen to LeBron. And I'm not trying to call him out necessarily. It's just the two are synonymous. The two names are synonymous at this point. And it's just great that right now it's just about him. It's just about the Bulls. And we got some footage yesterday evening in regards to the behind-the-scenes stuff. That was great. I'm hoping for a lot more next Sunday when we see the last dance on episodes 7 and 8. So some big news that came out today here on Monday in regards to the NFL is Peyton Manning. There was an article written in Bleacher Report, which I'm inclined just to red flag it right there. That's not fair to this author, so I won't do it. Uh, I didn't recognize her name, so I am definitely going to give her a chance. But full disclosure, I have not yet read it. But ultimately, it is about his ownership and his desire to pull that off someday due to his high earnings and really not even entertain this broadcast career. Uh, It's really been something that he's never publicly said. It's just been something that ESPN and the other crews have definitely wanted him for. I mean, they're they're just thirsty to have Peyton in the booth thinking he would be must-see TV. Now, he's done great on the ESPN detail, but I got thoughts on him as an owner, and I, I really don't see how television could help his chances in achieving that. He has never said anything about wanting to diagnose plays on television. And frankly, I don't know how good he would be. Like, let's remember... Peyton Manning is the guy that shows up at five, texting Adam Gase when he was on the Broncos, texting Adam Gase at, you know, 1 a.m. about play design. He was the one running the meetings instead of the offensive coordinator in Indianapolis, in Denver. Is this guy really going to be someone that can simplify things, put in layman's terms on television? Like, I don't think so. Like, he gets real granular with it. He gets real into the details. I don't know if Peyton Manning, who's kind of always been a fraud when you think about it. The guy has, you know, he drives a Buick. Yeah, right, Peyton. He wears jeans. Yeah, right, Peyton. You don't wear Wrangler. Like, he he endorses all these common man advertisements when it's, you know, in reality, Peyton, you're making like $30 million a year. Okay, bro? Like, you're not driving a Buick. Don't try and, you know, pass it off to me. Tom Brady, on the other hand, has always been very upfront of who he is. He dates a supermodel wife. He has Uggs. He has Under Armour and he has pliability setters. Peyton Manning, kind of always been a fraud. I don't think that he's going to go into the broadcast booth. Ultimately, he definitely can be an owner. He's wired that way. He is obsessed with the details of offense and just football in general He's got the makeup of someone that I think can build the roster. He knows all about football. He was the guy that used to throw touchdown passes, run off the field, throw off his helmet, and go look at the plays, while other quarterbacks ultimately are high-fiving their teammates, headbutting their teammates, getting excited. He showed zero emotion at all. He's a different cat, and it all plays well to ownership. I think once he gets the cash, again, I don't know his career earnings, 
But ultimately, if Peyton Manning wants to own a team, the NFL is going to find a way. NFL will certainly find a way. If he gets into the corner of the Maras, of the Giants, the Roonies, of the Steelers, the Robert Krafts of the world, obviously Earsay, and the Bolin family in Indianapolis and Denver, who he played for, he's going to be in their corners. Ultimately, if he gets in the good graces, he gets the cash. I don't know if he's going to have to get someone else uh, to invest with him, probably. He's going to own an NFL team. Tennessee is the most natural fit. Just because Trask, um, or excuse me, yeah, I think it's Amy Trask uh, of the Titans. She's likely to sell. Ultimately, he's going to do a damn good job. The guy is wired to build championship football teams because he is a champion. And I just don't see him being on TV. And I don't see it suiting him well for this being the clear goal. He's always played it close to the vest. But ultimately, I don't think 18 million is going to get him out to, to do something and to put his ultimate goal on hold. I see Peyton Manning owning a football team. I see his second act potentially matching or exceeding his first act as an NFL player, and that's owning a team and bringing home championships. You may have witnessed over the weekend that the border war, KU, MU, Kansas, and Mizzou is back on for 2025. Man, the urgency that college football creates is just outstanding. I, I get why they do it. You don't want to have schedules not played out in advance for competitive balance reasonings, for college coaches, for recruitment. You, you need those things in place. It's another reason that I think college football is a subpar product. There are great things about it, but this is one that just stinks. You have to know your schedule or excuse me, you have to set your schedule this far out in advance. So while it's good that we get KUMU, uh, it's going to be when I'm 31, okay? I mean, who knows what my life will look like? Who knows if I even like football at age 31? I hope so, but who knows? Something to get excited for, right? It got me thinking. KU, I can't speak to them so much. I think Les Miles definitely needs to build a defense in the Big 12. While everybody zigs, he needs to zag. You got all these high-powered offenses, the Baylors, the Texas Techs, the Oklahomas, obviously. His thing is defense. Everybody zigs, you zag, you try and stop these teams. See what you can get. See if you can build a big, physical, defensive football team that can combat these teams. I don't know. I don't think you're going to get the athletes that a Oklahoma gets or an Oklahoma State even gets or any of the other two teams that I mentioned. So you can't try and pace them on the scoreboard. Why don't you go the other way? Why don't you go the other way and try and stop these teams and be the team that is defensively sound in the Big 12? As for Mizzou, Lord Almighty, are they in a hole? I do not envy this new guy from Appalachian State, Eli Drinkwitz. I, I heard the other day that he's been recruiting his butt off. He got this player who's this star, and he's coming to Mizzou, and it's a big win. Hey, newsflash, you're not out recruiting the SEC, okay? If you're Eli Drinkwitz, here's what you need to do. You need to worry about coaching. That's how you'll win games in the SEC. You're not going to out-recruit. You're simply not. Let's just look at the NFL draft as evidence. In the SEC, 14 LSU players, again, an anomaly, 14 were drafted. Seven from Alabama, or excuse me, nine from Alabama. Seven from Florida, seven from Georgia, six from Auburn, 
five from Mississippi State. Tennessee, while they had two, just like Mizzou this past year in the NFL draft, currently they have the number one ranked recruiting class in 2021. So just so you're aware, Mizzou, you're not out recruiting anybody. You're in the East, which doesn't make any sense. You're also in a region where the players that you need to recruit from for the rest of the conference don't live. And you haven't had a winning pedigree in about six years now. So if you think recruiting is the way you win football games, think again. You need an X's and O's guy because that's the only way you're going to win on Saturday afternoons. You need a guy who's ultimately great at hiring a staff and coaching guys up to get subpar talent, to get them elevated above where they normally would otherwise be. I This is a really big hole, and I don't exactly envy it, and I'm not even you know trying to throw shade at Drinkwitz, but this is the reality. They are lapping you in the SEC. Recruiting, it's not even close, my man. You need to be more of a Boise State type, more of a Washington out in the Pac-12 type, Michigan State. Those programs know where they stand in their own conferences. Boise State may not be the best example. That relates more to the FBS as a whole. But Michigan State, look at them. Are they out recruiting Ohio State? No. Are they out recruiting Penn State? No. Michigan? No. But they're still a solid program. You'll see them in the top 25 quite a bit. It's same with Iowa. You know what they do? They coach. They play well. They coach. They have a program. That's how you're going to win, and that's how I think really needs to be approached for Mizzou. And I'm not even talking necessarily as it relates to the border war because ultimately Kansas will probably always be dreadful. But ultimately, if they want to see some strides in the SEC, we we need guys that can coach. We need staff. We need players. I mean, that's what Gary Pinkle did. Do you think Gary Pinkle was an exceptional recruiter? I mean, not really. He never even looked in the St. Louis or Missouri area. What he did was he elevated quarterbacks, and he also elevated the other players around him with his staff. That's what you got to do at Missouri. You're not a blue-chip program, and the chances of you ever getting to that level are pretty slim. Pretty slim, given your conference. You got a lot of teams that, frankly, they don't have NFL teams. All the boosters, all the people around them, they only care about that program because that's all they got. You're not going to out-recruit in the SEC. Mizzou... I don't know what the approach is right now. If it's recruiting, I know that's the wrong one. You need to worry about one thing, coaching. One thing that I thought was interesting from, I believe it was over the weekend, from Andrew Marchand, might have been late last week, was that the NFL, in the event that college football is not playing games, I just talked about how Mizzou needs to approach their season. It could all be moot. (laughs) come uh, the fall here, which would be unfortunate. I hope it doesn't get to it in that college sports don't even happen altogether. But if college football decides that it's not safe to bring fans into their stadiums, which gate receipts, ultra important in regards to college football, if they can't do that, the NFL, according to Andrew Marchand of the New York Post, they could be looking at Saturdays, playing some ball games. And the first thing for me is, wow. You're telling me I get the NFL on Monday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I get my eyes on more games? I'm all for it, man. Please, spread it out. Allow me to watch more games, look at more teams. I can't get enough NFL. Like I've said, I will watch 
Wednesday morning football if you give it to me. If you want to put games in London, which they just canceled today as well, but in theory, if you want to put London on Wednesday mornings for me under normal circumstances, I'll do it. I'll sit down and watch. I'll make time. NFL football, man, nobody loves it more than America. Spread it out and swallow up that real estate. That is exactly what sports is. It's just real estate. College football has done the same thing in September's during Labor Day weekend. Notice they've front-loaded their schedules. They put Alabama versus Arkansas. They put Oregon against Texas on that first week, that week one, because they said, we don't have to compete with anyone. We don't have to compete with anyone, so let's just put the good games here. That's when the most eyeballs are on there. People are thirsty for the game. That's what it's going to be like this fall with the NFL. If they don't even have to compete with college and other sports aren't going on, ultimately the NFL is number one even with everything under normal circumstances. If you take college football out of the equation, my gosh. I'm not going to say they'll keep the revenue that they would if they were getting gate receipts because NFL is not playing games with fans in the stadiums. It doesn't appear that way. They're going to be playing in empty stadiums, but this could do great things for them. They may not back off Saturdays ever again. Now, college football, they would be upset about that. Really, what is a feeder system to them could, you know, grow some complications. But ultimately, you know, college football on Saturdays, man, that would be great. Even if it's just one primetime game on Saturday evening, you get three days of primetime plus Sunday where they own the day of the week. Or what you could do is you could spread out the game seven and seven on Saturday and Sunday. You'd do three 1 o'clock games, three 4 p.m. games, and then one in primetime. You got two days of just NFL action. No one would be more excited than sitting on their butt watching football than me for two days straight. That would be awesome. I do it one day out of the week uh, in the fall. I look forward to it all the time. I get the dual monitors going. Um, I get the Twitter out and Twitter.com, log on to that, and I just – Give my thoughts. And it's great back and forth. It's awesome. See what other people have to say. If you're giving me an extra day there, buddy, I'll sign up for that tomorrow. I'll sign up for that now, if you promise to be. Ultimately, I hope college football doesn't have to go that route. But if we get NFL Saturdays, shoot, I'm in. That's going to do it, everyone, for episode 43 of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate it. Remember, subscribe, review, Tell your friends, five-star review. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Uh, wherever else you go, Stitch, Google Play. Other than that, not sure where else you'll find me. But go ahead. Leave me a, a review. Definitely appreciate that. Definitely appreciate you telling your friends. And remember, we got the text line. We got the hotline. That phone number is 816-226-7483. You send a text. I'll read it here on the show. You leave a voicemail. I'll also read it here on the show, or I'll leave the audio. And we'll chat about whatever you want to talk about. And uh, remember, direct messages, wide open, slide up in there. You got questions about football. You got questions about anything as it pertains to me or anything you want my uh, position on. I'll, uh, again, I'll address it right here and we can chat about that. But thanks so much for tuning in. We will see you next week talking more NFL, hopefully more baseball. And remember, stay safe, stay positive, but test negative.